2: Hello and welcome to the goodness all back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series for the last time in its current state as you're looking at it. Uh, the channel is going to be going through some renovations overnight and you're going to be seeing some very, very different looking kind of uh, graphics and exterior, you've obviously already seen the logos and stuff as well, which I'm excited about. But uh, to bring an end to what was kind of, you know, the 2021-22 era of TGT as we move into 2022-23 tomorrow, I'm joined by one of our TGT OGs. How are you doing, Drew? You good, You well?
0: Yeah, I'm good. That's. Uh, I'm still here in Sweden, so can't be can't be sad with life at the moment, so yeah, it's good
2: no enjoying it enjoying it very much
0: yeah it's been excellent yeah yeah so i've been here since june 9th and i'll be here until
2: august 23rd so i've been here for like two and a half months yeah it's a long time it's a long time Um, um But hopefully, maybe it can become more of a permanent thing. Maybe in the future, who knows? That's maybe you want...
0: hold your thumbs. Uh, yeah, yesterday hold your I went... thumbs. Yeah, they say thing? that. Yeah, they say it in Sweden you don't you don't do this. You do so you this. don't
2: cross your fingers. You hold your thumbs. No, they
0: say hold your thumbs.
2: Yeah, there you go, people. So, um, doing something brand new. There you
0: go. <laughs> I went to the uh, the Arsenal Jotobori uh, fan club like uh, meetup. Uh, bar yesterday or watched the match. It was quite good. Met a quite a few Swedish wrestling fans, had a good chat, had a few beers. It
2: was good. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. I'm so glad that it's going so mm-hmm. well there. And, and I'm fingers crossed hoping that it works out. Yeah. But uh, whilst you've been away, because I think it must be easily what six months oh, since you've been on the now, show? Yeah, yeah ridiculously mm-hmm. long. For those that have joined us throughout <laughs> the summer transfer window, and a lot of you have, uh Drew is, is one of our kind of original uh, guests and regulars along with plenty of our TGT crew. Um and I can already see the chat box lighting up with love. I mean Drew's so original that he has his own emoji with for our members in the chat box. That's like you know you got John and Mike and Lee Judges and Drew. Yeah. So let's get your Drew emojis going, guys, in the chat <laughs> box. Uh just a welcoming back. But uh, yeah it's gonna be it's an interesting show we've had so far. <laughs> It's potentially going to be an interesting end to the summer as well. But what have you made of the business that Arsenal have done so far in the window?
0: I mean, I've been quite happy with it. I mean, I know that some people might feel like we still have maybe one or two people to get in the door. But overall, I think we've addressed issues expertly. Um and I try not to judge preseason too much, obviously because it's preseason. And <laughs> as much as I want to get on the bandwagon after yesterday, but we look good. The new signings that have featured look good. Zayju's like obviously we expected him to be maybe a bit ahead of the curve uh, over other potential new signings because he's worked under tent before. The system is similar with City, so but he's looked very good. Like he's not missed a beat. Looks like he's been here before. That to me is is vital. Um, Goals are going to be currency for us this season, especially if we have ambitions of getting into top four. So it, it was really important that we got it right with who we wanted to bring in the center forward. So um, I'm quite pleased with that. I think Sinchenko, again, also looks quite good since he's been here. Saliba is impressed, which I know a lot of fans are really excited to see him finally playing, and maybe he'll get the start match they won, which I expect. So, yeah, I've been really happy with how the summer's been. Uh, I, don't, I think we need one or two more in. But apart from that, if it ended, if the window ended tomorrow, I'd still be happy. So. Are you muted? You're muted. You're muted you muted oh,
2: such an idiotic mistake oh, it's so annoying when i do that it's just like oh it, just, it eats me up inside yeah. I making errors. <laughs> but, uh, you know we'll leave we're gonna leave those errors in the past uh, and bring it forward to the future but uh, oh yeah. i'm loving this in the chat box the druids have invaded the chat <laughs> that's brilliant i thought that was gonna go over your head for a second and then i realized it just clicked in your brain what he was talking about um but no, no. fantastic i think <laughs> the business we've done so far. Gabriel Jesus is the standout. You know, obviously, his tenacity, his energy, his movement, his finishing ability, the way he links up play. What is it you think he brings us that we have, have not had for so long?
0: I think the lethality of him is for me is important. Obviously, I wasn't one to to jump on like I said as much. I think he was doing a, a job. That he was required to do and i think maybe under different circumstances we may have seen a different version of him but the reality is we needed someone to be like maybe just those few points higher in terms of just wanting to go get goals like the hungers issues has a hunger to get goals. the way he i think his lincoln play is as good as like i said but his movement is phenomenal um he's decisive as well you know he's, uh, that move um for uh I forget if it was his first or second goal yesterday. Where you settled it on the left hand side, he brought it down, and within two seconds, passed it off, and he was just automatically darting into the box, such what you want to see. Yeah, and that you might not first get first goal. From Laka's yeah. last season. Yeah, first goal. Yeah. So, so you just know that he's already thinking two or three steps ahead, and you want that from a center forward, especially in a system where we have so much dynamism in the way that uh, Martinelli can move off the ball, same thing with Saka, Odegaard as well. So you you've got such those four, the way they can just rotate in the final third. That is, I think, one of the bigger keys. And you see that when you see City play or when you see uh, Liverpool play or other teams of that where They have that um, ability to really draw teams out and anyone can pop up anywhere and still be just as effective as if they're in their primary role. So for me, I think that's what he brings. And that mm. I think for me, it takes us up a level or two in terms of uh, what we can do in terms of goals this season.
2: Absolutely. Um, for me, you know, it's the first goal is a great example of kind of what we're going to get differently from him as a striker. You know, we've ha- we've seen players create goals. We've seen players score goals. But rarely can they both be combined in one movement. And you look at the, you know, picks up the ball on the left-hand side, plays it into Xhaka. And Xhaka's obviously there and crossing it in. But you watch the movement of Jesus from the point he passes it to the Xhaka into that area where he's just kind of hoping, expecting, gambling for the ball to be. And it pays off. It's the same thing with the third goal. And whilst he didn't create that one and was on the end of it, he was just determined and just knew the right place to be at the right time and knew that potentially a ball could fall into a certain area. And even then did a lot of work to obviously get it. The second goal is the big part which I think there's been a, a myth around the idea that Jesus is finishing is not necessarily as good as what maybe people think it is. Like, his XG compared to how many goals he's put away from Manchester City don't compare. And I find it such a strange thing to, to stick by now when we've seen clearly that when he gets opportunities in the box, he's absolutely lethal. I mean, what kind of goal tally expectations should we measurably be expecting from him next season?
0: Oh, uh, so we did a, um, the the Yama podcast a couple of days ago. And I mm. said, for me, Premier League only, I think he's got to have 15 goals in the league. If, and I don't think it's unreasonable, because if you look at it last season, uh, Saka had 11, Smith-Rowe had 10. It's not unreasonable mm. for your headline striker to be 15 and up. I think he should get between 15 and 20. I, I in the Premier it, League. Yeah, like, I don't know if he necessarily will, but that's kind of the, the, the marker you want to hit. And and again, if we have ambitions on wanting to get into the top four, which I think this season we do unquestionably. We, uh, you look at City of Reading Holland, yeah, he, he missed a massive sitter against Liverpool, but mm. the amount of chances City create, he's going to score bags with goals. Nunez will come good. I think people are taking the piss a little bit, but he'll come good as well. You know, obviously Spurs have Kane and Son. Uh, Chelsea are a bit wonky with that so but that's where we need that Jesus to come in and I think if, if he does yeah goals, we need him to I think that's going to be a probably for me is the reason why we'll get top four season is because of him and that's kind of where you put us up maybe just a bit ahead of someone like um, Chelsea or uh, United as well given the real yeah. situation so yeah I would say 15 minimum for me and I'd be happy with that because if you look at it if Saka and um Smith will keep the same Tyler, even Martinelli, depending. If you get three players across your front line that all have double-digit goals in the league, it doesn't have to be a high number. You don't need a 20-goal scorer if you have three players that get Mm. between 11 and 15 goals. It's fine. So, yeah, that should be the goal for me, I think.
2: Yeah. I mean, you look at, and people might say 15, that's not high enough. But actually, when you consider the fact that that's just three less than Salah scored from open play last season, you know, Salah ended the season on 23 goals as the Premier League top scorer, but five of those were from penalties. You know, Son managed 23 without any penalties, which which is pretty ridiculous. Cristiano Ronaldo managed 15 Premier League goals without penalties. So, and, and Jesus isn't going to be our penalty taker next season. Saka is our number one penalty taker, as has been shown by the penalties that he is taking in the team right now when Jesus is on the field. One for your fantasy teams, if you're thinking about sticking Saka in the team, by the way. Uh, It's certainly worth Saka being a shout for that penalty. Part that he didn't have last season, because, of course, Aubameyang and then Lacazette were Arsenal's main penalty takers last campaign. But now that that falls to Saka, which I think is great, considering, obviously, what happened during the Euro final. And he's being given that responsibility. And he took that towards the end of last season, scored the penalty against Chelsea, if you remember. You know, it's it's taking that forward now. So I think it's going to be really important. Tim says, I'd take 15. Um, Richard says 25 is a bit of a reach. I mean, 25 Premier League goals next season. If that's your expectation, that's two more than what Mohamed Salah got, with including penalties. Like, I yeah. think sometimes people overhype the idea of the amount of goals someone is going to score in the league. Like, we're talking about all competitions. Then we can start talking about 20 plus. You know, I've got no yeah. problem with that at all. But in the league, 15 goals from your striker is very good. You know, you're up there with the top players in the league at this point, especially if you're not a penalty taker. So that, I think, is completely fair and where we're at. How much do you know about Fabio Vieira, Drew? Because I'm not, not really a, that not much a ton. In
0: No, yeah. not a ton. And, and, and you know this. I don't watch a, a massive amount of Portuguese football. But um, what I would say would be, and I was having this discussion actually at the bar yesterday, was... From what I do know, it wouldn't surprise me if I don't think he's here to push or replace Odegaard. I think what he, I think realistically, especially if we don't move for another midfielder before the window closes, it wouldn't surprise me if Arteta rotated him with Granite Xhaka, depending on who we play. If we're playing against a team we're expected to dominate, I think you see Vieira actually play in an eight. And I think if we're maybe need a bit more the more defensive, deeper sitting midfield, then Jack might play instead. Um, I think for me, that would make sense in, in terms of what he can bring. I know he's quite creative. I know he's good on the ball, obviously. And I think those are the parts of the um, transfer remit we've had under Arteta, someone who's tactically versatile as well. I think these are all the key things that we could expect from him. even though We've never seen him play, but that's my assumption, just based off of how we've recruited. Um, mm. So off the basis of that, I think it would make sense to have, again, have you, we can really now kind of fine-tune how we're going to play based off of who we're playing. And again, that's what you know the higher echelon teams will always do. Um, Guardo and does that religiously and he's done that religiously for years so if that's kind of what we're aiming for then maybe we can see that from him so
2: and Zinchenko just to kind of round things off in terms of what we've done we can I mean Turner and Marquinhos don't really muster too much conversation they are depth signings but Zinchenko is a signing that you know I'm over the moon with genuinely same. over the moon with that signing
0: no. yeah same um, And Um it's funny because when we first signed him uh between my thought process and how Arsenal <laughs> tweeted, like, oh, uh, Zinchenko, the experienced midfield, and everyone was like, oh, is that a breadcrumb? And it was kind of interesting yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he can play midfield. He does play midfield for Ukraine. But, no, I do think he's going to actually play left back. But he can do those underlapping runs the way we're, we're going to require him to be – not just make overlapping runs and lump balls into the box. I don't think it's that. I think he's going to be more of a creator from out wide from – from deeper in as well, um, which will allow whoever is playing eight to push on forward. So you see how often Chaka got forward actually when he played yeah. yesterday. And that's that prime example because if he's doing, if Zinchenko's are on the left, that can do virtually the same thing that Chaka would do if he was sitting deeper, that allows your midfielders to overload into the box. And that's actually incredibly important to get numbers forward if you want to get goals. So I'm quite happy with that. I think no one can really speak against how well Tierney performs when he's fit, when he's on form, but the reality is is he can't stay fit, right? And, mm-hmm. and you still do want options there, so I'm perfectly fine with rotating between them based off of uh, who's on form. If it's uh, Europa League or whatever, Domestic Cup or Premier League, it doesn't really matter to me necessarily, but the fact is like we're getting to that point where we can say in a lot of positions we have two players that we can count on in our line, and that's incredibly important, so... Um, I quite lo- I love the signing. Again, it's a signing that Arteta knows, that's also important. So yeah, I I, I think we smashed it in the transfer windows so far. So
2: mm. and the key point is is that there's still time left. You know, yeah. that was the big thing for Arsenal was to make sure they got the bulk and the priority areas sorted before the season started. And for me, striker was always gonna be the big one central midfielder was the other and we haven't yet you know addressed that but the thing with that position is unlike striker we already have Partey and Jacques, you know that are in that position that are already playing there you've got Odegaard we've added Fabio Vieira who can also play in in an attacking and number eight role if we needed him to you've got Smith Rowe you know we have depth there it might not be the quality depth yet you know Laconga. I hope can develop into someone that is genuine quality depth and now Elneny Gives you experience and a, a level of quality. You know, I think he's an underrated player in the squad. To be honest, El Neni. I think he can give you some really solid games. But whilst we have Partey and Jacker, we didn't have anyone at striker, and we're getting that player in is not only you know covered off that position, but taking it to the next level as well, which is really really key. Um, and also, when you consider the fact that Zinchenko comes in, he can also play midfield if you ever needed him to, and I think you could play that mm-hmm. that left eight role even over Jack, I think me and you both agreed if Tierney's fully fit, I'd start Zinchenko over Xhaka at this stage. So, do you want to go on record yeah, and say you I agree do with that. me? Or... <laughs> I, I <did. laughs> yeah, I, I do agree with
0: you. That obviously, that's, again, it's not because I, I disapprove of Xhaka, because I think Zinchenko should be a better player. He's more press assistant. He, mm. uh, his technical quality is a bit higher um and i think for me that's kind of that's a, a small difference maker so no i would do that actually if we couldn't and that's kind of why i speculated that it wouldn't necessarily shock me if, if we struggled to bring in another midfielder it would be an interesting theory to go out and, and get a, a left back and then use sinchenko's midfielder instead i don't know if we're going to do that but that was another option i kind of pondered about maybe mm-hmm. that could be like a another plan b if we just couldn't get someone like a two that we've been talking about um, yeah but no i wouldn't i would kind of do that overloading talent in your 11 when you need to makes complete sense and now that we're in a position where we can do that i don't see why we wouldn't because say for example if you start both zinchenko and Tyranny, and something happens to tyranny in that match you can just move Sinchenko right to left back and then just bring someone on, on midfield and then you're sorted so it's nice to have that option
2: It is indeed. Um, Jashar asked the question. We're going to go and talk about potential signings. uh, And we're going to talk about a little bit more about who might come in. But Jashar asked an opportunistic question at the right time and says, Tom and Drew, we had three strikers when we had less matches last season. Will two strikers, Jesus and Eddie, really cope with the extra matches this season?
0: No, I don't think so. I think that's why we need a wide forward that can also play as a Mm -hmm. number nine. I think that's it. I don't know if we're gonna. Specific. It's that's hard to go out and target. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to target a number nine right now because how would you pitch that to them? We just mm-hmm. bought Seju's. We just extended Enketa and gave him a raise. So and he's clearly going to be playing a large role this season. So what's what's the pitch point to another number nine you'd bring in? The, it makes more sense to pitch a wide forward that can play as a number nine or even play, mm-hmm. play on the left, pending. Again, it would suit that. Um, mm-hmm player profile of uh, someone that can come in versatile and play in two or three maybe even four positions depending on who it is so um, you know I don't think it's enough but I think we're also thinking about that. I think so for me it would make more sense to go out and get a versatile wide forward now over a central midfielder at the moment I think that's got to be maybe the priority if we can get both in sure but if we can't, had to pick one it would just be a wide forward I mean,
2: can also so you choose a wide team. forward over the central midfielder yeah yeah for sure I think so that's interesting because so I'm slightly leaning in the other direction. And I think, yeah, I you know. I, I saw
0: the other day you were talking about it. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I are disagreeing. For me, what's happening? I don't know what's going on right now, but we're not agreeing.
2: No, it's of so course. Weird. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? <laughs> but, you know, like, no, I did the show on Pepe the other day talking about the yeah. idea of if you can't bring in someone that's good enough, you know, it's sometimes better to not, you know, blow the money on a player that's not going to upgrade necessarily on what you've already got at the club. And the options yeah. that are out there, you know, there are some very decent players that I think can play wide and play in the middle. The, the key ones at the end of the show were Cody Gakpo, Gonzalo Gedge, Amin Gueri, uh and and Jarrah Bowen. But he, of course, isn't really realistic, to be honest. Memphis to on a loan deal is something that I've gone over in my head because I would never sign him on a per- on a permanent. But on a loan deal, if it was a case of no one or him on loan, I don't think it's a terrible idea. No, I know that I would, we watch I... plenty of the Dutch teams. So yeah, about I, mean,
0: I I would do it. It's... <sighs> and I feel like so for me it's it's weird now that we we well not weird I guess cuz we we've done this few fast mm. but i imagine it's going to be even the same thing now it's that any player you look at that we have to bring in has to also fit the um, the I wouldn't call it the emotional profile, but they have to be. They have the personality type that Arteta wants to blend into the squad, and that's important. And Depay has been hit or miss. Also, that, that's why we're not pursuing Noah Lang. If If you want me to be honest, yeah. with Noah, another just uh. his his attitude is horrendous. Uh, uh. Yeah, tal- talented he may be, but he's no so. No. <laughs>
2: i said that loan. so far, I just don't like the player. <laughs> you did, but
0: <laughs> but it's appropriate. But uh, a one-year loan for Depay wouldn't be the worst thing. Again, because he can play on the left, he can play on the right if you need him, center forward as well. So he does, again, suit the profile. Barsen need to get wages off the books. They need uh, oh, players yeah. off so they can register, if rumors are to be believed. So wouldn't be the worst deal in the world no and he's a proven goal scorer uh for mm-hmm. the national team you know he's done okay when he's played for Barca he's good for PSG uh, PSV so um and he's good for Leon as well so I mean I would probably wouldn't be against it if we couldn't find a better deal like I I preferably I'd rather go for a Cody Gakro uh but if that won't materialize then sure like someone like uh the pylon wouldn't be the worst thing no better than nobody that's kind of it and and he doesn't make us worse, does he? You know, especially that it's a minimal uh, commitment with him. I think he makes us better if, if we were to do mm. it. So, yeah, there are worse things we could do.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, some people are saying Timo Werner. We've seen links to him. I, I have no interest uh, in developing a player for Chelsea.
0: None at all. It's, it's not even that. I, as, as much as I like Werner, he does not suit how we play at all. It's that it's that simple. It, you know, under the right circumstances, he, he performs well. But another Tatasista, I just don't think he'd be. I, I, just, I just don't see it personally. I like sucks, this one I from about
2: like Tangerine, so should we rescue rescued <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he.
0: I'm pretty sure he started in the DFL Super Cup against Bayern. So I don't think he needs. He doesn't
2: team. start for us, um, which at, I, at the moment say, I don't think he does. Yeah. No, unless you play him at
0: left eight. Over Jacka,
2: maybe he's that's not his best position his exactly. Best position is wide left forward, wide left playmaker, like that's that's where yeah. you want to play him. So, yeah, which is not a position that is, you know, Smith Rowe Martinelli have that lockdown. You're not going to see yeah. Sobos Lai break into it, I don't think, right now. He's good, don't get me wrong, and I think he could explode at an even better club, but I just don't think it's going to happen at Arsenal, unfortunately. Um. Uh, Sparota says, I'd take Werner to be honest, could do a job as a wide forward, and I see him improving his finishing. Not sure he'd be content to start not start many games. For me, the biggest block with the Werner loan, which I don't think has any real legs to it, it was a report that I think came out. Um, someone re- I can't remember who it was initially reported it, but someone was saying how oh, Juventus, us, and some other team, uh, uh, is it Leipzig? I think it might be Leipzig, have yeah. Werner on kind of a list. why we would bring him in on loan to then, if he does well, what would we do? We send him back to Chelsea to be great. I mean, how does that benefit Arsenal in any way? It doesn't. So it wouldn't make any sense unless we included an option to buy in that deal, which is a, you know, a little bit strange. Um, I love this question from Daniel. He says, Tom, why do the media always love to big up the spuds? Yeah, when talking on Arsenal, why do we never get the credit we deserve? Because Edu and Arteta have turned us around so much. I tweeted, or quote tweeted, I don't know if you saw this, but Gary Neville's tweet been yeah. a little bit viral across uh, social media today. Uh, he replied to someone who quoted his breakdown, I think it was at the Brentford game from last season, right at the beginning of the campaign. And he was basically talking about how we couldn't see Arsenal's strategy, which has kind of gone down as one of those viral takes that, just, that are just poor. And someone said, always makes me laugh that a, in capitals, professional ex-player pundit didn't get the strategy and direction of the team when it was clear to each and every Arsenal fan. Uh, he did call him a, you know a T-word, which, you know, I'm never going to advocate abusing people. Um, but the first point I think stands true. Uh, Gary Neville replied, said, you blew up the best chance you'll have of finishing fourth. Is that the strategy? You know, if you're going to reply to someone abusing you, it's probably not best to do it without logic. Uh, it's, it's the way I would go about it. And I mean, I, I quoted it saying, I'm expecting a season of bias, punditry undermining Arsenal because Gaz won't be able to stomach the idea of getting something else wrong again. Um, the idea that people couldn't see or still can't in some cases see the strategy, the plan that Arsenal and Arteta and Edu are trying to put into place. It just, I can't get my head around how it can't be grasped at this stage.
0: Uh, maybe and please no, I'm not trying to defend Gary Neville here, but I think <laughs> you can just, if you want. No, absolutely not. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is maybe a lot of people still look at um, Arsenal in terms of the name of the club, what was expected of them previously. Like for example, when Gary Neville was still playing who we were, what we were, who we had on the books. Maybe a lot of pundits still kind of look at us and say, well, why aren't we going out and getting those type of players or whatever have you? But you, you can't do that. Like, you know, football changes over time, obviously. So, yeah, I may, that's the only thing I can think of maybe is that maybe, and, well, you know, for the, character for the as well and... To... and,
2: and Oh, sorry, sorry, there's a little bit of a delay. So when yeah. I talk, there's you know, it's like two seconds. But when, uh, for the benefit of people that don't know the strategy, I mean, Tim says, can someone explain the strategy? Tell me, can you explain what Arteta Interdu's strategy is to get Arsenal back to where they want to be?
0: Yeah, I think it's simple. I think you're looking at, uh, when you look at the type of players they're bringing in, it's clear to me how they want to build tactically. Again, versatile players, players, um, and then beyond that, for me, it's you're looking at we're, typically we're bringing in players of a certain age because they're trying to build something for the long term, right? So mm. this mm-hmm. is just Edu and Arteta. That's the other thing that people have to understand is a lot of this is KSC as well. KSC's done near identical things with both the Colorado Avalanche and the Los Angeles Rams and both of them just won the Stanley Cup and won the, and, and, uh, and the, and the Super Bowl. So there is a clear long-term plan. If you're, bring, if you're bringing in younger players that have a very high ceiling potential and you're building with them over time with a young manager that has a high ceiling potential, you're trying to go and you're trying to do things the right way instead of throwing all your eggs and high-fee, high high-wage high players that you hope work year-on-year. Year. We're, we're essentially, we're trying to avoid doing what Manchester United has utterly failed at doing since Sir Alex Ferguson left. Yeah. And for me, it's that simple. We're doing the opposite. It's kind of like a slow burn, if you will, um, but it's a targeted slow burn. So there's always going to be incremental gains every year is kind of all we need to know. And yes, we didn't get fourth last season and no, we probably should have, mm. but it's undeniable that we were better last season than we were the year before. So that's the biggest goal. As long as we're improving year on year, the players we're bringing in as they age one or two years, they're developing constantly. I, I think it's pretty clear to me.
2: Mm. So, I think the biggest thing and the biggest kind of criticism of Arteta and the argument against the idea that we've made progress is the two back-to-back eighth place finishes under him. You know, that I think yeah. is is the only way to kind of draw things or say that Arsenal aren't necessarily progressing under him. The thing is, is that the fifth place that we got when we finished under Emery and the fifth place that we got last season are completely different, despite the fact that you finish in the same point in the league. The fifth place that we finished under Emery was an Arsenal on a slide. Going backwards, going away from where they wanted to be, where prospects of looking ahead into the next following season just weren't there. You look at the fifth place from last season, it's an Arsenal that are not on the slide. It is an Arsenal that are on the up and looking to try and get back to where they want to be. The decisions being made in the market, the decisions being made on the pitch, the decisions being made ruthlessly to move players out of the squad when need be. Edu described them even as investments. I thought he, he spoke quite candidly in that interview. And honestly, and if we're real, They are investments at the end of the day because you've had to pay players to move on. You are investing for the benefit of the squad to move those players who we feel aren't good enough out of it. We may criticise and moan at the club for doing it, but if ultimately the squad is benefiting from things, that is ultimately going to be a good thing. The biggest thing for Arteta, I think, and the criticism right now, Drew, is his man-management skills and in-game management. They are the two things that still, for me, go against him and that he has to try and to improve and get better at. Because there are times when Arsenal were losing games, where the decisions that were made in the game did not help us, you know, did not turn things, did not change things. And also, there have been times where, say, individual players have not been necessarily managed in the best possible way as well.
0: Yeah, well, I think part of that does come with time, especially like you don't become a good man manager overnight, especially when you're a young manager. A lot of that takes time and experience, mm-hmm. and eventually, hopefully, he'll get better at that. Um, the decisions in game, I agree also. Not, I don't think that's so much time. Sometimes I feel like the reason why he didn't make decisions is because I think he would... It's not that he wanted us to lose, but it's more of just like sometimes you... Sometimes things have to not work for you to go back and explain why they didn't work and how you can improve, if that makes sense. So, and also also it could just be stubbornness as well. Again, Guardiola, same thing. Sometimes you just will not make a change. Klopp sometimes also just will not make a change sometimes. A lot of times big managers won't. They just will just sit there and wait till the 75th, 80th minute and hope things actually start working. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. So part of that I think is faith in what he wants to achieve. Part of that is maybe faith in the players to maybe see themselves through. And also part of it is stubbornness i think it's a a conglomerate of things i don't think it's just one particular thing um so i think this season i agree that if we're going to get top four for sure you can maybe say that the man management issue won't bite us but i do think in game tactical decisions that he has to make and improve on Mm. i think that has to be key because you know, I don't think what Chelsea has going on necessarily is all Tuchel's fault, but he is a very good manager as well. So you would expect yeah. that he would be better. There's you no doubt. Kante. Tuchel
2: is a better manager than Arteta. There's yeah. no debate have, about you've,
0: that. And you have Conte as well. So he's up against mm. four very good men And then you have Ten Hag. And I know that United are a mess in the market, but Ten Hag is also a very good manager. So it's there's going to be a lot of Very good manager
2: at Ajax. Right. And, and he's a good see. he's yeah. a good manager. <laughs> but I agree,
0: there's there's the air divisy tax, which is hefty. So um, yeah. but yeah, I do think that he wants Arteta himself will have to improve on a personal level in terms of being more decisive. It's great that we've been decisive with knowing what we want to bring in and what we don't want. So we're trying to get rid of it from the squad. Those that's great. But he has to bring that same decisiveness now on the touchline. We can week out when we're yeah. actually playing, and if he does that
2: then we'll be okay. I've seen improvement in Arteta. You know, I think that's been clear. Like you look at the Arteta that took over in 2019 compared to the Arteta now, it's night and day for me. A A lot of the things that have happened. I think especially the way in which we look at the team and the squad and how it's been built. You look at the squad that he's got now from when he took over. That is to the credit of the work done by him, Edu. And, you know, we talk about the ownership and that should always be where the energy is main focus. They're the ones that make the decisions. They're the ones that keep or sack or do whatever with the club but that we have invested. You can't say Arsenal haven't spent money. We've spent so much. Yeah. It's, for me, always been down to Arsenal have got to get the squad into a place where that if it isn't working, the finger can only be pointed at one person, and that is the coach. If it yeah. doesn't work, that's where you point the finger. And Arsenal haven't been in that position for about 10-odd years. You know, unfortunately, the squad has been poor. The decisions behind the squad building has been poor. And it's only been since Arteta and Edu have come together in the last two summers in particular to really change things. And hopefully this one as well, in which we're moving back back into that better direction to build ourselves a squad that I think can absolutely compete to finish as high as possible. You know, I don't think it's of the level of City and and Liverpool yet. It's definitely got the foundations of a squad that could be. Absolutely could be. And if Edu's talking about a five-year plan, and this will be the third season of that five-year plan, because, you know, the the third full season of Arteta and the main changes in the market, we should, at the end of that five-year plan, be as a squad in a position where we can challenge City and Liverpool. It shouldn't be unrealistic to say that we couldn't get there, because Liverpool are not a side like City that can be that you know, are just backed with money every single summer and just lump loads in. Liverpool are where they are because of consistent, smart decision-making from a recruitment, from an appointment, from all of that kind of level, from a selling perspective. Every a- aspect of Liverpool is just gone through the fine-tooth comb to make sure all the correct decisions are made. And Arsenal can get there if they too do that same thing. And so far, squad building, great we are on the pathway to that, you know, the last two summers and this one, we've made great, great steps. It's not been perfect, you know, Runnison, Marie, Cedric, William. you know, these aren't perfect, perfect signings. They're not. But the good thing about that is that they're not, they're not kind of peppered throughout the, the process. If you want to use that word, no. they are, ones that happened at the start that we're not then repeating that we've learned from and that you look at the trial you look at the way in which we're trying to recruit players now it is learning off of those previous errors to the point where we're making such good decisions in the market so we get to kind of the main question drew which is the name of today's show which is we still need more you know this window we still need to do more i know that Mm -hmm. we've both said that we're happy with what we've done but we need more so for you you've talked about wide forwards, I've talked about central midfield, but if we're going to start talking about names and this is where chat box, you can get involved as well. Realistically, who should we be looking at?
0: I I mean, I do think is realistic, Um, but it's tricky though because the the question will be if you're so I'll use my opinion as an example, and obviously we can go into central midfield as well, but if you're looking at say for us getting a versatile wide forward, are you trying to bring in another player that moves the needle, or is it a player that is just there to you can use across the front three when necessary? Or are you looking for a player to come in and actually push the soccer? Like for example, we were in for Rafinha. That is a sign that potentially moves the needle. But are we still looking at that kind of player now? If we are, then maybe you're looking at somebody who's a bit better than Gakpo. Gakpo is another one of the typical uh, uh, profiles we've been signing in the last two summers. He's younger. He has leadership experience, but he's only 23. So it's not, he wouldn't move the needle yet, but... Within another two years, I think he'll be phenomenal. So he will move the needle. So he's taking it oh, again, slow burn. Or do we want to bring in a player who comes in and all of a sudden it's just like like another Shaiju signing in a way? Um, I think Gecko should be targeted. I don't. I mean, I can't think of anybody in the Premier League really who uh, I think we would be able to get for a, a fee that isn't outrageous. That mm. would actually like for Bowen, example. Obviously, people like Jared Bowen, but Westheimer was in the rights to charge eighty million for him. You know, the season he had last year. You know, he's not by any means old. They they could just they could charge whatever they want. So that, that yeah. to me is not realistic. We shouldn't do it. And then you look across Europe as well. It's tough. It's tough, to, it's tough to, to to see some of those players, but. um yeah, I think Agma for me kind of ticks all the boxes. Um, who do you want is it to worry that he's more left sided
2: than right sided? No,
0: nah, I mean, yeah, but he has played on the right as well throughout his career, not as often, oh, yeah. obviously.
2: Nowhere um, near as much, though.
0: Nowhere near as much, but he's still, for me, he is good enough to play on that right hand side. Uh, that's just how I analyze it. Um, mm. So, yeah. What about you for I know you're you you want you'd prefer to focus on central midfield, right? So who's your name? Or
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, central midfield has to be addressed before the window finishes, without a shadow yeah. of a doubt. You know, Tielemans for me is a great option. Premier League-wise. Yeah. I think he's a great addition. I think he slots straight into what style Arteta wants. Technically brilliant, really good going forwards. Yes, there's question marks about what he is like in the defensive third, but that's not really why we're buying him, to be honest. It's, you know, and you don't, I buy a player for their strengths and then coach their weaknesses to be better. You know, that's what you should do. And Tielemans, I think, can improve in those kind of defensive third question mark areas, and I think will do in this squad. He'll also have better players around him. Let's have a very decent squad, don't get me wrong, but I think he will have better, you know, at Arsenal and, yeah. and suit this team. I also think he'll be more driven and, and you know, comfortable at Arsenal is right now at Leicester. I think he's got ambitions. I think he wants to take his game to another level. And I think at Arsenal, he clearly thinks he can do that. It still baffles me a bit why maybe we didn't get that one done soon in the window. I get the idea that we need to move players on, and I don't think we'll see any movement. At all. I know for pretty much a fact right now that we won't see much movement until we've moved more players on. Torreira and Maitland-Niles being the main two, especially for the yeah. midfielder. But you know, if it's a case of if Torreira or say we don't, if we can't move on Torreira and Maitland-Niles, and we have to pay them their wage, which is around fifty thousand pounds each per week, so you're looking at an investment of ten million for the rest of the season, which is a lot. Don't get me wrong. Oh, no, yeah. it's not. It's a, It's an investment of about five million, isn't it? because there's 52 weeks, so £100,000 per week. Yeah, so you're looking at about an investment of £5 million if you want to keep them at the squad, and that's not including appearance bonuses if that affects anything, because they wouldn't really be playing. And I think Mainland Niles can be a bit of an asset, you know, sometimes. <laughs> so it's not the worst thing in the world. I would just go out and get him. You know, I'd just go out and say, look, Leicester, you want £30 Is Here's £30 million. you know, and, and we'll take Tillemans off your hands. In terms of the wide position, as I did that show the other day, you know, I'd be happy with Gakpo coming in. For me the main one is I mean I mean I really like okay, him Nice. Yeah. He's so versatile, driven, I love his attitude. Price might be an issue. I think Nice are holding out for something like 40 million euros which for a player that doesn't start in the forward line for us is pricey. But maybe 34 million pounds which is what around 40 million euros is. It's I think it's accessible. I think it's doable, especially when yeah. you think we've spent 34 million pounds on Vieira. So and he's not <laughs> going to start for us. So I guess, you know, it's probably a good move to make. Um, what do you think about for midfielders? Is Tillemann someone that appeals? And if not, someone else? Uh,
0: I mean, I, I have uh, many moons ago. You'll remember this when, uh, I, used to for, when I used to write for <laughs> ABW a long time oh. ago.
2: Shout out to a book at the of course. Yeah. Going when
0: we like... played Anderlecht in Champions League and uh, Tielemans and Dennis Prate absolutely annihilated us both times. Mm. I wrote about that we should be buying Tielemans that summer. So I've been a fan of Yuri Tielemans since that year. So I would love him to come to the club, I think. Everything that we need in the left side at eight, he brings. He's he, he's better with his right foot than his left, but that's irrelevant to me. Um, it's more of what he can do in terms of uh, his second goal quality, his creativity. He brings goals from midfield as well. He has a huge threat from from range, which is big. We don't really have that because Partey can hit the broad side of a barn, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Lewins brings another dynamic to the squad that we don't really have, but others... Uh, around us or ahead of us, actually do. Um, so I'm fine with mm. that. Um, some other options is tricky. Um, someone mentioned in the chat, also from PSV. Uh, for yep. me, he's more of a defensive minded midfielder, so we're not, I don't think it would make sense. He's not, that mm, are you
2: sure? People. Because I think closing the gap to Partey is really important. Partey, we know, suffers with significant injury issues now. So if yeah, he's yeah. out. Sangale's True way. enough, but
0: I feel like I would, and I might get a lot of stick for this, but I don't mind trusting awesome El Nene if, if, oh, <laughs> if part if was that I don't mind trusting El Nene because he he's professional. He gets the job done. It's all, It's very simple. It's not, you know, maybe the midfield that people want, but mm. he's effective when he does play. Um, so I wouldn't be against it, obviously. Um, another one that people mention a lot is uh, Milankovic-Savage, obviously, from Lazio. Um oh. Please, I would. I would also. Blake. I would take him as well. Um, and I think he also brings another physical dimension to the midfield that maybe even Thielen does not.
2: He's he's your needle pusher. He's yeah, still, yeah, yeah.
0: Stabbed. And I think if you bring him in, and obviously I think he would start over to Jaka. Him and part in the same midfield would be, I think, would be phenomenal. Just behind that'd be excellent. Yeah. So that's another one to throw in there. Uh, I don't mm. know how much slots you would want for him. I know he has what well, he has two 50 60 I deal. think.
2: Pounds. 50, <sighs> 60 million pounds. Yeah. The thing is
0: if you if you do that and if you spend There's like no sell on now,
2: you're investing no. that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You invest it and then you say you do that, and it's you have to get Champions League this season. There's no question and then yeah so if that's the goal then you go ahead and do it um apart from that no I mean there's always players I can think of but what's the point <laughs> so,
2: I, uh, I'm, yeah, I, so I'm just, I'm it's funny because Tim in the chat says I'd be I wouldn't be surprised if we got Tyler Adams but the ironic thing is he's already gone to le- to Leeds you know so yeah Oh, he yeah. was one I was looking at, you know, for his versatility in midfield. He would have been a really interesting signing. Also out plays also line. plays right back as well. And right midfield. He can yeah, play six, the, right uh,
0: midfield, right back. Can play eight. Yeah, yeah. He would. He would. He's made a leader. Captain. down on the well. U.S.
2: men's national team. Yeah, right. exactly. The, so the, he would have been the, a decent option. Sure.
0: Another wide player I would get, and and uh, it would it would cost a lot. And I don't think this summer would be it, but this could be like a next summer thing. Is Gio Reyna from Dortmund?
2: The um, yeah. oh the U.S. guy yes yes yeah
0: Jorena is for me probably has the they highest ceiling him? of any he is the highest ceiling of any American player currently anybody he's so what they selling no that's the issue I know be, do would,
2: sell but they sell they do big, but yeah. the thing is is
0: Bellingham's probably leaving in, in the next summer so they're not gonna sell them both they'll make one big sale tell you what he
2: if Arsenal get Champions League football target they belonging. should be in the they should be in the conversation yeah. for Bellingham. yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. Yeah, th- yeah this year would have been no that's not happening but next year mm. i agree with you i think there's there's no harm in and putting a name in the ring for that um i know liverpool are heavily linked obviously uh and if liverpool are linked then somebody else will want them like man united might come in from who knows but we should be in that discussion for sure i agree with you
2: absolutely um, yeah. a couple of super chats come in Joshell says why does Mikel Arteta wait until the 79th minute to start <laughs> players um, I think that was again specifically in the game at the weekend I think he just wanted to see as much as he could from the team that is probably going to yeah. start against Palace yeah, that, that's, that that's should important. be that
0: 11 will start against Palace I'd imagine Yeah,
2: I'm excited so, for that That's I open. think it's a really yeah. really good team um, no. Ali says big up lads we need two more quality signings we're a party and Jesus injury away from a crisis I don't necessarily agree with the word crisis I think that is harsh. And I also think there's a lot made about the hypotheticals around Arsenal and the drawbacks of Arsenal's squad in a hypothetical sense. You know, Leicester won the league because they kept, everyone stayed fit for that entire season. It was a big shock, of course, but everyone staying fit in that team was massive for them. Spurs getting where they do often means that Son and Kane have stayed fit for most of their season. You know, Ar- Arsenal will need a little bit of luck. To, and most teams do, to get where they do in, in in leagues. Only if you're the likes of Man City can you afford to, to, to suffer a fair few injuries to key players because you've got such depth. Even Liverpool, yeah. if they were to, say, lose Salah, you know, lose key players, it would affect them significantly. You think about when Liverpool finished fourth, what, two seasons ago because they lost all their centre-backs? You know, stuff like that. You know, that Liverpool team finished fourth. I think people forget that sometimes. The Liverpool team that won a Premier League, that won a Champions League you know these are these are the the fine margins that we're talking about is if you lose key players it affects you no matter who you are unless you're probably Manchester City so yes it's hypothetical yes it's a danger if they're out but I do think that what do you make of Nketiah because I think he is given such a hard rap by fans I really do Including both of us. Uh, we I said he would never make it to Arsenal. was my specific words. Yes. Yeah. and so I, I don't I'm pretty mind sure being I... wrong. <laughs> no, wrong. I, yeah,
0: no, 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 exactly that. But I think he's done phenomenally well to put himself in a position to get that extension and that big pay rise and, and and fight for his place and get maybe more minutes. I think for if he can bring the consistency from last season when he played to this season. Then, I, like, I'll hold my hat out and say I had it wrong as well. The thing for me is, even if he doesn't score a ton of goals, the, the thing with, with Kadea and Joy is that he again he suits the system, he knows what's expected of him. He will run his socks off, he will press, he understands those around him, and they understand him, and that's important. So, and that's k- kind of the argument that. I used to have about Lacazette as well. I was like, yes, it sucks that Lacazette didn't score, but mm. he understood what was expected, and everybody else meshed with him on the pitch, and that's what you need, and then the goals will come from that. And for me, there's no mistake about it. If I don't think that Saka and Smith-Rowe and even Undergaard to a certain extent get the goals that they did last season if Lacazette wasn't the center forward playing. If it was Oba, no, they wouldn't. For sure not. not so I think that's an important aspect as well. But Nketi, I think, will get those goals because he has a little bit more dynamism than Lacazette like currently has when Lacazette like was younger, a different player now. It just wasn't there for me and that's okay. But I think Nketi will be as as decent as a number two center forward in the Premier League that you're gonna be able to get if you're not Man City or you know, Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm 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 fine with that. So
2: Thank you, Chatbox, for updating me for some breaking news that has just dropped. Uh, David Ornstein reporting that Fulham have reached an agreement with Arsenal to sign Burnt yeah. Leno, fee in the region of £8 million. That's fine. Finally, just, being but, sorted. Yeah, yeah so personal terms in place. 30 year old goalkeeper expected to undergo medical next week before completing a new. So, you know, £8 million quid in the door for Leno. Is that as much as I would have hoped to have get for him? No. Am I that bothered? No, to be honest, I'm not. You know, we've already sorted out the backup. I'm very happy with Matt Turner as, as, a, as a backup to, to uh, Ramsdale. We've got Carl Hine, who's going to be the third choice for this season after a has gone on, on loan to Crew. I'm happy with our goalkeeper department. I'm happy that we've managed to get a million. Of all the players that, you know, we could be a little bit more lenient to, I think bernardo has been a very good servant to Arsenal. He wanted to stay in London. He wanted to get that move. 8 million, It's as Benjamin says, we're 8 million closer to Telemans, boys. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, it is less than he is worth, but ultimately the market determines what a player's value is. And if no one was willing to come in for more than that for him, that is what he's worth.
0: No. Yeah, I'm. fine. again. Same thing. It's. Uh, and I responded to uh, on YouTube to what uh, with your episode with Dan. You did. I think it was. Yeah, and I said
2: simple. It's... I didn't recognize who that was at first. Of course, you didn't No, Why <laughs> would you?
0: But goalkeepers in years past of a similar standing to him, uh, experience, um, contract situation, final year. They're going. They were going for roughly that. 8 to 10 million so i don't think we yeah. we're in a position to expect Fulham to pay 15 there's no way they would have done it i'm fine with him being sold for between if it's 8 or 10 or 15 doesn't stop us from doing what we want to do later in the window if there is anything because the money is obviously there it's just a matter of we don't need four goalkeepers uh and it's so the last year i'd rather get 8 million and get nothing and let them walk for nothing in the summer so absolutely I'm fine with it and yeah, awesome. also i mean i see the reception that we give him when we play for him as well
2: so and he will get a very big reception yeah. you know and he's, he's a very yeah. well liked character um you know, did he have mistakes? Yeah, I remember the game against yeah. Burnley, you know, where we the whole Xhaka situation, you know, I, I put a lot of that on then. And I felt that, you know, you've cleared it. Maybe we wouldn't have dropped points in that game rather than passing it to Xhaka. So sometimes, yes, Xhaka was calling for it in probably a silly position, but just assess the situation and clear it, man. You don't need to, <laughs> you don't need to just bend to the will of Xhaka all the time. Um, so, yeah, but I like I liked what he brought. He's a very good keeper. You know, he's not he's not an Arteta keeper. He's not going to give you the no. distribution levels that, that Arteta wants, and that's fine. You know, arguably, should we have kept Emi Martinez instead? I think we've ended up with a better goalkeeper in Aaron Ramsdale in the end, to be honest. So I'm I'm very, very happy with with who we've got at the club anyway, um, for sure. Uh, we've got uh, around just over five to ten minutes because I'm going to be jumping over to Latte Firm with FK at 10 o'clock, so I need to make sure I'm off in time. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to take a couple more of your questions before we do go. Um, O'Malley says, do you think we should upgrade on holding? this is an interesting question that I get asked quite a lot. My response is usually name me a fourth choice center back in the premier league better than holding.
0: There aren't many. And Mm. yeah, I mean, you can like, look at who United's, depth center back options are really if you think about it same thing they've, they've got
2: varan they've got yeah. lindelof maguire uh-huh. yeah, I'd, i think honestly, i'd rather I'll start holding over, L- over L- maguire yeah.
0: or, or lindelof <laughs> to be completely frank with you so yeah. yeah again same thing like and chelsea really only have uh the three they currently will be starting with and after that it's
2: it's mm. nothing
0: special so same thing it's, Joe
2: Gomez is being shouted in the chat I mean if we're talking about Liverpool players we're already on a good track for holding holding's looking pretty darn good if we're talking about Liverpool players <laughs> you know yeah. so yeah. yeah
0: yeah so no yeah the, I don't know how you could upgrade on him and still keep that in question happy and mm. I don't think we need to again he's never gonna you, you don't rotate your centre backs often unless you really need to uh again you see that across bigger sides so he'll get the domestic cups maybe he'll get some group stage in uh Europa League but every Premier League fixture it's going to be the same center back pairing as it should uh knockout stage in the Europa League probably same thing our best center back pairing uh deeper cup run will be same thing so he's fine for what he'll be needed for and then when we need something better we already have better anyway so it's no big deal about not upgrading on him so
2: I have a little bit longer, it turns out, because the uh, FK is not doing a show till 10.15. I love that one of my chat box tells me that. (laughs) I love that. Clearly FK is watching Love Island. That's why he's delayed it a little bit longer. Um, Thank you to the over 900 of you that are listening uh, to today's show. Uh, Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Make sure you're following Drew. On his socials at Mixed Kid Remix, his seven hundred and fiftieth change of his Twitter <laughs> handle. But uh, you've uh, made yeah. sure you're following him to keep up with that. Yeah, <laughs> your current um, Twitter picture—you know—it's hilarious.
0: I saw that and I laughed for a good five minutes. I just had to. It's like, it's like me in the old dog form. That's why I was just like I had to do it.
2: Yeah, it, um, it absolutely is. It absolutely yeah. is. Um, let's, I'm going to dress look. for your wedding, same thing. Row tie <laughs> hat yeah, but, yeah, that's exactly what I'm expecting now. This, yeah, Drew will be at my wedding. He's one of the few people who's lucky enough to be there. Uh, Andrew says, the Emirates Stadium has looked crap on the outside when we're supposed to have given it a facelift this year. What happened to that? Uh, it's being targeted for the uh, World Cup break, to my understanding. That's when they're going to be doing a lot of the renovations. But they have been doing some other stuff like the screens have changed in and outside of the stadium, uh, so that's that's going to be changing. But yeah, very interesting indeed. Please don't spam the chat box, people. It makes it much more tricky for me to find people that are very patient with their questions. Um, let's go to Stephen says, "Oh dear, everything's Jacker's fault, isn't it?" When talking about that Burnley goal previously as well um he says next summer is when we should probably get rid of rob holding i do probably tend to agree with that you know yeah. if we're going to bring in someone else that's probably where it is i'm mean, interested to watch omar Rekic at sparta rotterdam this season and see how he gets on um all who says drew why is arsenal always the opener for the season i feel the premier league always sets us up to fail i feel like
0: because the premier league is a global market now um arsenal are one of the obviously most popular clubs in Premier League and um, yeah I think it's I think it has nothing to do with more than just marketing the amount of money they can make maybe they targeted uh, that fixture for uh, obviously the uh, the link with Viera is there so there's some mm-hmm. sort of storyline there as well um, yeah I just think it has nothing to do with, like, maybe they just look at the fixtures and say like what can we make the, our, our best numbers from for the for the opener to win and that's that's kind of how it is. That's
2: just my idea, Arsenal are but, the biggest draw. Yep. Um I have no doubt that Arsenal will pull in, you know, some of the biggest Reviews, you know, and, and an opener now with, with them is, especially against Palace, which is a team that Arsenal historically don't do that well. And, you know, the Premier League will probably be hoping for an upset in that game again, just like they got with yeah. Brentford. So hopefully we can disappoint them and get a very, very important victory. Um, but says, did you see Tavares from Marseille? Crazy Davey. um I've, I haven't seen it yet, but I have heard some good things about some of the things he was doing. And apparently the Marseille fans were raving about how much he's already taken. Kind of taking that left back position up a level, I still see a player in this guy. I know that Mm -hmm. you struggle with this a little bit more than maybe me. Uh, In the chat, in our WhatsApp group, you were very much like (laughs) kind of glad to see the back of him, sort of thing. But I struggle with certain
0: things. I feel like I think the potential is clear. I think from a a physical standpoint, I think he can obviously withstand the Premier League. His pace is excellent, Um, but I think for me is. From an intellectual standpoint on the pitch, he's not there yet. I think last season, he relied on his recovery pace far mm-hmm. too many times. I think that, for me, was my struggle with him. It's not because I don't think he'll come good. I just don't think he was ready yet. Um, if we were going to buy an out-and-out left-back, I would have been fine with selling him. But because we're not, I think a loan makes more sense. I think Marseille is the the, the best option you can get considering their left-back options are Jordan Amavi and say class match. So Tavares should probably be there for a short stuff back this season, and then we're in a huge commanding position to do what we please after the season. If for some reason, if he pulls a Ganduzen, and he wants to leave after playing first choice, then you have we control the price for him after a brilliant loan spell. We can command whatever fee we want. Mm-hmm. or if he wants to fight first place at Arsenal, then if we want to move on from Tierney for some strange reason, if he gets injured again, then you can move on from Tierney and you have Tavares and Zinchenko. And, uh, so I think we're in the best position possible. So, yeah, no, I think this is, uh, a- again, I think this will prove correct. Uh, I think hopefully it will be another sleeper situation. That's the best possible case, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, I think we've, I think we've been, done some smart business with that. So,
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that when you consider the players that we're moving on now i just saw a tweet uh, i think it was osman uh, on twitter that that put it out he said leno and Balogun are expected to leave in the next few days Luna Tavares and have already left and then more outgoings are expected bella and Serrera, marie niles runnison you know arsenal could be in a position say in a week or two's time that we've moved out as close to, to eight or so players and with weeks remaining at the window in a much better position to then strengthen. Yeah. For me, the target of the window is to try and do as much business before the season started. And I'm very, very thankful that we've managed to get some really big deals done before the season starts. Get them in, get them transitioned, get them integrated. You've seen the benefit of that for Jesus already. He goes into the, that game you know, against, uh, against Crystal Palace firing. We bought in Ben White. And he played his debut in the Emirates Cup the week before we played Brentford. And I think that kind of showed in his first game against Brentford. He didn't look comfortable. You know, I think that's different. Saliba looks comfortable. Jesus looks comfortable. Zinchenko, just after a couple of performances, looks great already. It's really key that we got those players in. And we've got a starting lineup to go into that Palace game that we saw against Chelsea and we saw against um, Sevilla that I'm really confident about. So to kind of round off the show, Drew, Thoughts on the brand new season? How's your head? How's your confidence? What are your expectations? What's the minimum Uh, and where should we be at? I'm going to disappoint you. I'm not going to be my typical pessimistic self. Um, Chatbots, get involved and see if you can think a little bit more optimistically than than (laughs) Drew. No, no, no.
0: Uh, I think we have to get Champions League this season. I don't. I Mm -hmm. I think there's no more... It's not even the margin for error. There's just no excuse at this point. I I think... Generally, I think we'll actually finish third, and I mean that sincerely. Um, I do. I think we will. I think we'll get third. Um, I don't look at Chelsea, despite some of the deals they've done to replace uh, Christensen and uh, Vidic. Yeah, I, th- I think they're incredibly vulnerable. I think the question marks around center forward are just so evident and glaring. Um, you know, I th- they're they're always one midfield injury away from mm-hmm. bedlam. With them as well. That's Conte.
2: They're, they're being linked with Fafana and um, Dumfries, yeah. and I'm sitting there going, "Buy a striker? What are you doing?" Yeah, like? yeah. I, I think
0: I think he's going to end up playing Sterling as number nine. I think that's what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, or or it's yeah. or it's yeah. yeah, one or the other. Um, yeah, I think Chelsea are vulnerable. I think Spurs have done well, but again, I think they're so reliant on Kane and Son that mm-hmm. I think. On on balance, I just think we're more balanced than Spurs. And again, I rate Ten Hag as a manager as well. But I think United are a mess at the moment as well. There's there's no excuse to not get there. This he needs season. two gen-
2: seasons minimum before you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I genuinely think we'll get third this season. I'm pretty confident about that. Well. I don't that. think we'll, I don't think we'll finish close to Liverpool or City. I think it'll be closer,
2: we'll,
0: closer, but it won't be closed. It'll be closer, but I do. No need to close that like that. Yeah, but I do think we'll get third. Genuinely.
2: Let's see what you guys are saying. Uh, I'm loving the optimism. Top of the league, says Dan. <laughs> Musa says unbeaten. Uh, Higher than 12th, lower than 3rd, says Benjamin. I'm just broads. It's very different. I'll <laughs> take it. Uh, Logic Lera has changed. He has indeed. He's now the Mixed Kid Remix uh, you can find <laughs> on Twitter. Um, we need to stop letting in soft goals. You're absolutely right, Sean. For me, the next thing about next season is if we do concede, and we will it's part of football, To then not concede again—that was the big thing for me last season. Is we when we conceded, we just the floodgates opened for us. We were good at keeping clean sheets, but as soon as we conceded, their heads went. And you know that's that's something that needs to change. Uh, Been aware says uh, I think top three uh, for next season uh, for sure. Uh, Let's go to scrolling down the chat was a little bit more equally different. Says fourth or fifth next year. Great, go on. Sorry.
0: No, no, I'm saying fourth or fifth. Yeah, I mean, I think we can get there. if we got fourth, I wouldn't be sad. I just want the Champions League. A, a fifth would mm. be a disappointment for me. Gentlemen, I would be kind of annoyed about it.
2: has so. dropped in a $10 donation to say, May God sorry for Arsenal Football Club. Our fan base have lost it by being... I'm going to try and translate. By being delusional, I guess. Even if we buy two players more, we are still not going to make top four... He mean to rhyme? I hope he did uh, this season with this manager in charge. Uh, it's still the the, the manager Arteta and Crew very very vocal still. I'm just kind of curious. Like, obviously,
0: I'm not trying to to pick a yeah, fight here, but no, we <laughs> we finished two points outside of top four, three with the worst two, or three? two. We were two points behind Spurs last season with a worst eleven and a worst squad with the same manager. We're only five mm. points behind Chelsea, who have regressed immeasurably this summer. So I don't know mm. why fans think we can't get top four. I don't think I'd it's
2: sound, be easy. Of, I think we no, no, of course. Of course. One of my yeah. favorite comments from uh, an Arteta hater uh, the other day was. Um, and I say hater because I think there's a difference between someone who's an Arteta critic and an Arteta hater. There is so clearly yeah. like a level of personal hatred for some towards yeah. Arteta for some reason. I don't really know. Um, it's fine to be critical, but you know, there's clearly a hatred from a, a section of the fan base. One of my favorite comments was, he has no management skills. That was one of my, the comments on the video. None at all. And in my head, I was going, wow. Arsenal have got a manager with no management skills that got us to within two points of fourth. Imagine if he learns just one over this <laughs> summer. What could he do with this team? It would be pretty incredible. Um, so that was a personal favourite, uh, seeing kind of a critic. Look, if you want to be critical, that's fine. And, you know, I'm all up for debate. I'm all up for saying, I don't think is good enough because of X, Y, Z. But if the argument is he's got no management skills, which is clearly just a, a hyperbolic statement, or he's not good enough, or he's not experienced enough, etc. Like I need evidence. I need something tangible. And at the moment, Arsenal are only progressing right now and are only going upward because of a lot of the work done by him and a lot of the people around him too. That That's what I kind of struggle with, I think, at the moment, with the whole Arteta's not good enough. Because the question for me is, if he goes, who do you get? Because if Arsenal are going to get rid of him, we have to sign someone at the elite table have to sign someone at the elite level i was talking to a, a colleague of mine josh williams who's a liverpool fan and he's the scouting writer at reach and we do a lot of shows on the arsenal way and he says at the moment the only elite level managers that are available or not even available that are just there obviously you've got pep you've got klopp you've got um conte they're kind of the three main club ones uh he didn't say angelotti which i found interesting. Um, I, I kind of see why he didn't because I think you look at what happened at Everton and it, it didn't go great. And the other ones he talks about, and I mentioned Mancini is potentially another one still because I think he's done some good stuff of Italy, even though they didn't qualify. I know, but I still think he's done with that Italy squad. It's not a great one. And he still no. won the Euros with it. Um, and Luis Enrique, a, a, the Spain manager at the moment is the other one as well. And I think if you're not going to get someone from the genuine elite level, and I don't necessarily put Nagelsmann in that level yet, I, I don't put him there yet.
0: He's, he's not there yet. He'll get there, but no. he's not there yet. I think And I don't again, put Zidane
2: there yet, because no. again, he, it's very kind of, for Zidane, it's very endemic, you know, with the Real Madrid situation. Mm. I'd be intrigued by what he would do, but I wouldn't necessarily put him there yet. And if you're going to get rid of Arteta, you have to get an elite manager. There's no point in getting one of those in the tier below that for the sake of it. You have to get an elite. I'm just not sure that you're going to get that right now. Maybe yeah. if Enrique leaves after the World Cup, I don't know if he is. If,
0: if we were going to do it, it would have had to be done this summer, and you go get like Christophe Gauthier, would have been a good option as well. He's a very good mm-hmm. manager. He's not elite, but he's very close. He's done phenomenal work in France with multiple clubs who have no business. Traditionally being really where he put them. So that would have been another one. But I think that that ship has sailed. So, yeah, I agree with you. I just don't see how it would work out if we walked away from them. him. So it wasn't- I think
2: this is the best shout of the day, to be fair. Um, definitely <laughs> should be going in with Um yeah. Look, the girls did brilliant today. I know a lot of you have, have watched England in the final and, and, and the girls brought it home. You know, obviously a shout out to all the Arsenal girls in particular because we love them, but it, it is... I said to I said to Georgia earlier. I said, if that was the men's team, there'd be people out on the streets. Like there'd be people in the streets. There'd be people going like mad. You wouldn't like you wouldn't be sleeping tonight. And I still think yeah. that shows the gap between the appreciation between the men's and the and the women's team. And it is you know it's going to take it's going to take a long time before yeah. you know it, it gets to that same level. But it should not be understated what an achievement that is from them. Uh, I mean, if you look how many teams in the world are still ranked higher than England. And this is being their first European championship win and how highly rated Germany on how, and the tournament that Germany had, you know, and obviously they're very unfortunate to lose pop right before the game. Um, But yeah, brilliant stuff. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, Amazing seeing the celebrations after the game. I love Leah Williamson's um, uh, interview afterwards. So close to swearing, like as as close as you can be to swearing without swearing. That was great. (laughs) But, yeah, um, so, so I know that you're hurting, Drew, because you would have been back in the Germans, I know, in the final. Um, yeah, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's fine. But, yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's funny because uh, I know we're kind of getting off the Arsenal topic, but, I mean, I remember going to the Women's World Cup in 1999 in the US. I remember the reception that mm. the U.S. women get in the U.S., but that's also typically because the U.S. women are mm-hmm. measurably better than the men, so it's easier to maybe back them historically. But I remember how many kids like cite that, uh, that tournament as the reason mm. why they wanted to become a professional player and how many current women's international players remember going to those matches and then wanting to make a career from football. So you can only hope that maybe this has that same catalyst effect for England, for, for for women's football in England, for the mm. FA backing them more, for uh, general supporters backing them more, you can you need to see it. I think there are too many phenomenally good female players out there for them to not receive the credit they deserve so yeah you gotta, and, coaches, you the best. Like, and coaches as well yeah 100 yeah. so like it, you, I,
2: it won't be long until we see a female coach in in the men's game i am yeah so i think so i concerned.
0: think it, within within five years i think I, I,
2: emma hayes is easily good yeah. enough he is genuinely one of the best football people to listen to you know, on the planet is Emma Hayes. Love listening to her talk about football. Uh, yeah. Cam says, how are we even discussing the new management before the beginning of the new season with a better team um, <laughs> than last season? Why not judge the manager at the end? Look, Cam, people ask these questions. People donate super chats to, to, to still discuss yeah, the, manager and to the manager. Manager. You know, I know. Yeah. It, I, I find it equally as, as perplexing that we're talking about the manager at this moment in time. Um, but all we've got to do to prove those people wrong is to, is to see Arsenal win. And that's what I hope we all want to see next season. Um, we are going to round things off there. Thank you so much. It's showing a lot longer, but it always does want to talk to Drew because it's such an enjoying conversation. Drew, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Yeah, I'm looking buddy. forward to seeing you in what? three yeah. just over three weeks time. yeah a couple yeah. of weeks
0: yeah we'll take pictures we'll put them on twitter and embarrass ourselves but yeah oh, it's been man. uh it's Drew, been get married
2: in, to... in three weeks what's happening what's i know on? Oh, so <laughs> you're, you're, ten, you're 10 years
0: younger than me and you're beating me to that life goal so nice work
2: you'll be following my footsteps very soon i'm sure <laughs> i'll say no more <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway um yeah it yeah, was
0: great to be on um Hopefully I'll get on more this season. it would be really nice to come back on regularly as well. Absolutely. Uh, and it'll be great to see you and the, and the guys in a couple of weeks. So,
2: Indeed. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. I don't know what I've done by inviting Mike to my wedding. I,
0: uh, I'm, I'm going to be really angry when my liver fails because of Mike. <laughs> because so. of Mike. Yes, it's absolutely. Because of Mike. Yeah, so absolutely. thanks a lot for that in advance.
2: <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, Balaji, old Tom, what have you done? I know, it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's a lifestyle choice. Uh, I should, to be fair, give Mike a shout-out because um, I believe, and I should know this because I'm actually going on it. Uh, hold on, it's on my timeline. Let me find it, let me find it, let me find it. Um, the twenty, I think he's doing a 27-hour. Yeah. Yes, 20, mm-hmm. 27 mm-hmm. hours. Let me share my screen with you guys so you can see this. Thank you still to the 900-plus of you that are still tuning in. We did go over 1,000 at one point, so thank you so much for the continued support on the channel. Uh, let me just share my screen so uh yes tomorrow at 8 p.m uk time it starts so on tuesday um morning i'm gonna be on i'm basically doing the 8 a.m show and then i'm jumping on to his 27 hour straight through pod there's some amazing guests um i recommend you watch lee dixon alan smith kevin campbell perry groves denny carbassi and amy lawrence ian dart ask blog simon connie's ryan rocastle Guns and Yellow Ribbons, Kai Karnak, some bloke called Tom Canton, Dave Seeger, Hybrid Squads, <laughs> Arsenal Vision, Lee Judges, Sunday Roast, which of course is Danny from ABW. Uh, who is Nap? Is that when Mike's taking a nap? Or- Probably. <laughs> It might be a person. I I don't know who that is. Uh, And many, many more. Um, So, yeah, make sure that you tune into the Gooners Pods. It's for an amazing cause. If you aren't already donating to Gooners versus Cancer, there's a link in the link tree in the description below always, Uh, as is a link to our fantasy uh, for next season. If you want to get involved in our fantasy football league, go to the description. There's a link there and you'll be able to find it. Other than that, make sure you follow Drew on Twitter at Remix. He does plenty of other work around uh, not just Arsenal, but football at 101 Great Goals. And, of course, with the My Arsenal guys as well so make sure you go and check them out of all of that stuff thank you again drew appreciate your time my friend always buddy thanks for having me and tomorrow is the kickoff for tgt um for the 2022-23 season something special is coming it's the 90 plus minute
0: Supplied. 5 years or 100,000 miles
1: whichever comes first ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology driver's responsibility to stay alert drive safely and control vehicle at all times
2: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network Talk Sport powered by Fans